Welcome to the Double A Sports Podcast, Minor League Field with Major League Discussion. Here are your hosts, Alan and Alan. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Double A Sports Podcast. We are your host, Alan and Alan. This is episode 42. Woo, 42. 42, man. I feel like... <laughs> This has been an interesting year to start a podcast. Sure, sure has been. Uh, we decided to start the podcast on the the year. Yeah, <laughs> the, the year of pausing and figuring what ifs, like, what ifs, and possibly no season. Yeah, God, that was interesting. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we might have finally found out who's our president going to be, but we don't know for sure yet. Yeah, with all these legal, but you know, we must go on. So yeah, let's finally get a little bit of baseball talk. We'll recap some rewards and stuff and some other news and whatnot. All right, cool. So let's get right into it then. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is the White Sox new manager, Tony La Russa, and his DUI. Uh, this is not looking good from any means necessary. Like, if you're the White Sox and you found out the day before you officially announced this and you still went on before investigating, that shows the owner didn't care who, what band, like, this is my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like you said, uh, the new skipper, La Russa, he was arrested for a DUI charge back in February. So back in February, they knew, they had to have known about this. Um, I mean, apparently he blew a tire and ran into a curb. His car was smoking. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, this is his second one. He was arrested back in 2007 with a misdemeanor DUI in Florida. This time it was in Arizona during a most likely spring training or gearing up for spring training. And, yes, he refused the breathalyzer there, the field sobriety. So they took him back, got the order to where they draw blood. And they believe what took so long because of COVID and post long. But I think it's a little too long. I understand a couple of weeks, a month yeah. or so. But from February to, well, God, October, they announced it. It's like, something's not right here. Right. And my thing is, you got a DUI. If the team knew about it, that's one thing. But at the same time, are, is this guy mentally prepared to be the coach of a, the White Sox? Yeah. Like, you know, February 24th at 11.40 p.m., you know, there was a call was found standing alongside his SUV, you know, Public safety said the light odor of alcohol. He was dinner with friends who was from the L.A. Angels, who whom he was working as special advisor. Lusa was stopped near the Harbor National Airport, told officer he hit something, tire blue. And, of course, he got argumentative and stuff. But, you know, I think it was the comments that he made that has came out. Yeah, like he was saying something along, along the lines of, I'm a Hall of Famer or like something. Like, you see that ring? I'm a baseball <laughs> Hall of Famer. Like, that doesn't seem look good as a good role model and guy for your leader team. When was Aaron Judge's girlfriend arrested? Or same, this this past year, this spring training. I, I'm saying, was it around the same time? Like the, her, it has to be. It was February. I'm just, wondering, I'm just wondering if, like, he heard her, like, oh, my boyfriend is a big baseball player, and they didn't care then. I don't know if it was the same time. I was like, do they care now? No, no. You, you broke the law. Just because you won a World Series or you have a ring or you're a big-time coach or whatever doesn't mean – you can break the law. It's crazy. Yeah, the thing is, like, because of the pandemic, but usually when they draw your blood, the next couple of days they file the charges. Right. Not know, okay, we got around to it, and then it's like, oh, pandemic happened. Let's push this back. No, something's not right, but still, if his blood shows a .08, that's the limit. That's legal limit. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, with criticizing about, you know, between that and you know, nine years removed from coaching Jeez. is, you know, this is just keeps building a building in case like will White Sox make a change or will the owner stick to his guns? Well, I, I'm shocked. First of all, that they let their owner go. I thought he was great. Um, now that they got La Russa, I have to assume they had to have done their due diligence. They know this happened. They know this is an issue. So with that being said, I'm going to say the answer to your question is no. They should have already known this prior to hiring La Russa. And, you know, I also heard he interviewed with the Mets last year as well. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. But anyways, I don't think they're moving on. I think this is their guy. They know what they're getting into. I just don't understand their thought process. Yeah, the He's been out of the game for nine years. The, the owner, game's changed. You know, he, he said he made his mistake when he let him go years ago. Exactly, years ago. Yes, Larissa is a different kind of manager, you know, no matter what. If you hit our guy, we hit your, your guy. But... Especially with the White Sox, how many um, Dominicans and stuff, I know they can't speak 
you know, a whole lot of English. So, and being an old school manager, he is, I don't see how he gets along. Uh, is it going to be a one year if they do terrible move on or is the owner going to give him a couple years that they stick with him? And then, then like Stroman bashing him, like I will never play for La Russa. It's like, <laughs> I wonder how many other players like, you know, they need to load up this year and a couple things to make really competitive. Is this a sign that maybe people would not want to play with them if they had that manager? I don't know, man. Um, but I'm just thinking like the last time he, he coached, like who was on his team and Matt Carpenter was on his team. David Freeze, that was probably when he became the guy and like he, he showed up in the postseason. Because he retired right after they won, right? Well then, Two, well, then that's what I'm saying. 2011. Um, Skip Shoemaker. Uh, Lance Berkman is on this team. Lance Berkman was on the team last time he played or he coached. Yeah, because 2011 was, yeah. I'm because just saying. it's been nine years. Yeah. I'm just saying. Think about he how. He won the World Series with, with the Cardinals with, you know, Pujols. And that's what that's your Pujols walked. And then Larusa walked. And, yeah. I'm just saying. The last time he coached, man, the, all the guys that were on his team were born in the 70s and 80s. There was a guy on the team born in 1969 on that team. This guy hasn't been in a game recently is what I'm getting at. Yeah, no. Uh, 10 as years a, as not – I mean, I, I get it. You're in operations. That's cool. Yeah, but as advisor, a coach, you know, front office guy, yeah, sure. But as a coach, you're not with the new style. I mean, there's things that have changed, even if they're small. There's small changes that you got to know about. I don't know if he does, but I'm just saying it's going to be a transition that I, I can't wait to see what happens. With yeah, him. I don't I, – I was dumbfounded. You know, a guy that's been out of the game. A guy that's been on the game for like two, three years, like, okay – but nine years, you know, he went to the Hall of Fame during that time yeah. because he's been out. It's like, why does he need to coach again? Is he that bored or is the owner that desperate to I'm, amends? I'm going to go with desperation and boredom because, look, he's yes, he's a Hall of Famer. He's this and that. But guess what? Nobody's knocking on his door and saying, hey, LaRusso, how are you doing? You're, you're, you're so whatever because he's been out of the game for so long. Yeah. They're like, he's retired. He's on an island. He's chilling. He probably he might be hungry for it. I don't know. But at the same time. It blows my mind. It does too. I just like, I can't wait to see. You know, I'm trying to justify it. Is, it. it is only November. <laughs> I know. You know, more information can come out about the charges. They could decide. You know, remember we had was it th- two three managers a month before the season last year. Well, with the original start that had to get filled quick. So yeah, it's just in getting to the winter. We well, you know the White Sox can change their mind over winter break. We'll have to wait and see. But. I guess we got the next thing we got to kind of talk about is the news that broke today. Miami, not only for baseball history, but for major sport history, hiring the first female GM. Wow. Uh, Kim, uh, she's 30 years of experience. She started as an intern with the White Sox. Um, Dodgers, Yankees, has three titles with the Yankees. As, I don't even know how to say her name. Kim Ng. Yeah. Ng. Kim, I don't know. But... She has three rings as assistant GM with okay. the Yankees, 98, 99, 2001. Oh. She was assistant GM for the Dodgers when she didn't get the job. Then she's been the advisor to Joe Torre at the major the MLB office. So it made sense when Jeter hired her because, okay, she's a Yankee girl. And he knows she's in the system. She was an assistant and the time assistant they were GM. crushing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's not like, yeah, she's she she's qualified for sure. Yeah, they and, had the guy that built the team to get them where they need to. Right. They And now Jeter thinks she's the one that's going to put them over the – get those deals done to put them over the hunt to be a true contender down in Miami, I think. Well, for a, an Asian woman being a GM, I mean, in the game, you know that she has – to know her stuff. Yeah, right. She's got to be a beast. Yeah, right out of college, she played softball, was MVP in her leagues, and um, interned with the White Sox, and then just started growing and growing and went through the major leagues. You, 30 years of baseball, it's about time. You, and If anyone needs the job, be the first female, it's got to be her. Yeah, like man. when I first saw the name, I'm like, I know this name from somewhere. And it was Dodgers when she was, a, she was the runner up for the Dodger GM, but the GM liked her so much, he kept her as assistant. Then she took the job of Joe Torre, the front office, as like the assistant vice president of baseball. <laughs> like, that's a huge role, right? So obviously she knows her stuff, and I can't wait to see what happens with this because they've already beyond expectations this year crushed it, and now that she's going to be the GM, I'm sure she's going to want to make a ch- huge change in this program. And it's crazy because now it's starting. To, this division is starting to look great again. It, it reminds me of the AL East. Now I'm just so, like, who's not competitive? So you think about it. They got all this young talent. Yep. And you've gotten so much money off the books. So if there is money to be spent, you have the money to go get a guy if you think you need this offseason or next offseason is even loaded too if guys hit the free agent market next year. So it's going to be very interesting because think about it. 
a lot of guys that were up this year were no past double A before. Right. So with a full off season, a full 162, it's going to be interesting to see what she does with Madeline and Jeter down there. Well, like I said, Our in, division. in order for them to hire her as a GM, she must be hungry. Oh, I She's got to be hungry. She she is a, she she has to be killing it. Because you think a high role in the MLB front office exactly. as an assistant under Joe Torre. You break into the boys literally, club. Literally, your next job is Joe Torre, the commissioner. Right. So you're going to take a downgrade to, to head a team means – you're finding a chance to run the team how you think it should be ran. I think Jeter sold her on the position because I'm pretty sure it's not a pay difference. I bet the pay is about the same. It's more like a title, like I want to run my team and build a winner. Yeah. So and I can't I, wait. I, right. And, and, and it's got to be exciting for Marlins fans. It has to be because you can see your organization going from what it was to what it is now and where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and it, at the same time, it reminds me of the Mets organization. We are so excited now. I can't wait to talk about after that here Steve, a bit. Yeah. After Steve talked about it, we're, we're getting super excited. But, um, yeah, like, you know, how we talked about um, Atlanta a few years ago, they were a year early. Yeah. I think Miami was a year early because of COVID. They had to call people up. Right. So with the experience, they're like, so you pretty much passed AAA with some of these players. They did good. So it's like, okay, let's see if they can rebound, bounce yeah. back yeah, they next had, year. They had success with the young guys out of necessity because um, they were all hit with COVID. And, and you know, the yeah, they have, guys got chances. And, they, you know, they got Starlin Monte, I think, for one more year. It's a veteran you need for outfield that can teach some guys. So – the pitching's going to be still the question mark. They had mm-hmm. some young guys did some good stuff, but they might need to add maybe a veteran to help those young guys out. But we'll see what she does. Yeah, man. All so, right. All well, season. Look, congratulations, Kim. Can't wait to see what you do there. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to some off-season awards. Yeah, you know, we talked about when we did last week. They just announced the Gold, the gold Glove Awards. So, And then Silver Slugger was later that week. And then, of course, this all past week is all the Baseball Writer Awards. So the, all the major awards have been announced. We'll break them down. So we're going to start with Golden Glove Awards. We're going to start with the AL. Yeah, man. So in the AL, uh, the first award we're going to go to is the AL Gold Glove for the pitcher. Um, AL winner was Griffin Canning from the LA Angels. Wow, Angels got an award, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking because, you know, they can't do nothing with it, especially a pitcher. You think because when you think of pitchers in, in you know L.A., you know I obviously think of the guy who's not getting anything done because he's always hurt when he tries to pitch. Um, uh, Show Showtime, yeah. But you know, good for this guy. It's his first award. Yeah, he, you know he's not like a name that sticks out, but he was defensive that got yeah. the job done. Um, then we got catcher, you know, Cleveland Indians catcher Roberto Perez. You know, solid. Yeah, absolutely. It's his second award, so you know he can get the job done. Uh, congratulations. And then first base, you got Evan Wright from the Seattle Mariners. Okay. You know, like some of these names, you'll start realizing, like, these are not names that you know because they're exactly they're defensive guys. They might not be offensive guys, but they're these are your defensive guys. Right. And, well, you know, it's also crazy about this. We might not know all their names, but a lot of these guys, it's their first award. Yes. First gold glove. So that's pretty impressive as well. Yeah. And it shows where, like, these young guys are coming to play. All right. So the second baseman, we got Cesar Hernandez from Cleveland Indians. So the Indians have been playing pretty good defense so far. Um, it's his first award as well. Yeah. And then third base, we got um, Aja Kingser. What? The, Kenner Falafa, I guess. Yeah. See, look, another guy we don't know anything about. Texas Rangers, you know. I, I got to admit, I did not follow the Rangers very well this yeah, year. because they bonded them out <laughs> after a while. And then J.P. Crawford from Seattle is an interesting name because I think Philly gave up on him because he was traded. He was ah. a top prospect with the Phillies organization. They traded him, um, I think, two years ago, and now that he's finally starting to show his game, and I think that's a solid shortstop for Seattle going forward. Yeah, man. Um, like you said, if they gave up on him or they gave up too they, soon because he got a gold glove at shortstop, yeah, that's what that's you want. That's where he I was. Don't, I don't expect shortstops to go out there and rake home runs all day long. I expect them to be the best outfielder, or I'm sorry, infielder in the game. If I remember correctly, I think he got up to like a top 10 prospect list overall. Okay. Okay. And well, he just never panned out in Philly. I think his bat mostly. Oh, so he can hit pretty good. I th- yeah, I think they believed in a lot, but he didn't like, you know, I think Philly, you know, was trying to win too soon. Okay. Well, I think he, they needed a reliever or something. That's what they traded him for, a package, if I remember. Well, if I know one thing, in this game, day, game, and age, you have to have a great shortstop. Yes. And obviously a defensive one at that. Yeah. So good, good for the Mariners. So at left field, we got, you know, this name we kind of know, Alex Gordon. Oh, from yeah. Kansas City Royals. Eight-time gold glover. Which, you know, this was his last year. 
he retired. So yeah, good for him. So he got he got his one last award before he left. It's always know. great to retire on top. And then the center fielder rookie, you know, a rookie Gold Glove winner, that Luis Roberts. We knew he made a bunch of plays, and this is well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally in right field, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. Text Rangers. It's funny if you look at defensively. You know, we got two Rangers on this, um, two Seattles, and these were not great teams. So it's like, okay, defensively, they're there. Maybe need some pitching so the defense of the be so special. But yeah, like you said, you got the right tools. You just need to build around them to make the rest of the team pan out to be competitive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the National League. National League Gold Glove Awards. We're going to start. With the pitcher as Max Fred from Atlanta Braves. Wow, good job. You know, that young guy, he stepped up for Atlanta after Shiroka, that Achilles injury, and he didn't do it just with his arm. He did it with his glove, too. And another first-time award winner. Yep. Uh, the catcher, we have Tucker Barnhart from the Cincinnati Reds. It's his second award. Yeah. Well, that's quiet, pretty good. Quiet, you know. You, no, Get the job done. Yep. Straight business. I like it. The first base, the name we all know, Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. Yep, congratulations. And then second base, this is the one that we talked about a couple weeks ago where they get, he was released. Coton Wong, the Seattle Cardinal, Cardinals, this is like his, what, third award, I think, or fourth award? Uh, it's a second gold glove. Okay. Um, which is crazy because, like you said, this guy is great defensively. Yeah. And you just like, oh, let him go. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where he Somebody's goes. Somebody's picking him up real quick. Third base, there's no one we can even say about this guy. You know, yeah. what is it, eight years in a row? I feel like this is eighth award, it yeah. could be in a row. <laughs> Nolan Arundo from the uh, uh, Colorado Rockies, Arenado. Yeah, but what I'm saying that, is for Arenado, that hot corner that's one of the best, <laughs> right? He might be a great third baseman, and yes, he has a good contract, but is there are the Rockies actually trying to win a ring? I don't know. That's why there's swirlings of him being traded. They need and to, and I think this is gonna be a hard offseason to trade him because people are not gonna take that money, yeah. with teams losing so, losing much, money. so much money. The only teams I can think of that could do that with now, of course, Mets new owner, big Steve Cohen, but I think the other one's gotta be Dodgers. But I think we all think um, Justin Turner is going back to the Dodgers. So, well, I, I don't think that we necessarily need him. No, I don't think so either. I think it's, I think the Mets are pretty solid, they just need to focus on pitching. Yeah. I think it's going to be teams that want to spend money or right. are able to spend money. And I don't think everyone's – like it's going to be where Colorado's going to have to eat some of that money maybe yeah. this year if they try to trade them. Yeah, I just – I just you know, as much as I like Arenado, I just don't know if the Mets have a space for him right now. So shortstop, you know, hire Baez from the Cubs, you know, every year. I feel like he's almost on this list. And then left field, we got Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals. Okay. All right. Center field, we got Trent Grisham. From the Padres. Of course, the Padres have to have somebody doing great out there because you can't just win them all by hitting. Yeah. You could, but yeah. somebody's got to be out there defensive-wise, I and think. Then right field, you know, the guy that yeah. Dodger traded for, you know, he made all those plays there in right field this year, especially during the playoffs. Right. You know what? It, Mookie Betts, right? So if if the Dodgers don't win another ring, I still feel like they got their money's worth out of Mookie Betts because <laughs> You they, got your ring. Exactly. That's what you got You'll him get, for. Hold up what? Three World Series you failed at. Right. I mean, I'm saying, like, look, look at another team, for example. Like, say, uh, the Phillies. You bring in a Bryce Harper, like a Mookie Betts situation, and now you got to wait forever just to see if you might get a ring. He did it first year there. It's technically not on that contract yet. <laughs> he was also uh, arboration contract. There you the go. The contract officially don't start till next year. Wow. And you think World Series is hard. Like, that's why we don't see repeat winners. If yeah. you look at the special last 10 years, like – Besides the Giants. We could have predicted that the, the Dodgers would be there competitive and could possibly win for the next couple years. But when Mookie yes. got there, it solidified their chances. Oh, yeah, because then you're like, okay, who's going to play where? Because they right. have so many people. They're trying to get rid of Jack Peterson. Yeah, because they had no <laughs> spots for him because uh. they're bringing another outfielder in. So right. the next ones we got to talk about is the Silver Slugger Awards, and we're going to start with the AL Silver Slugger. And then with the first baseman, you know, we had to say Jose Abreu from the White Sox is – a very solid yeah. pick. Yeah, Jose Abreu did great this year. Um, I believe this is his third award as well, his third yeah, silver slugger. So. Um, and then uh, we got catcher Salvador Perez. You know, yeah, quiet. Quietly got that, you know. If you think Salvador Perez, you know, he missed last season because I think, what was it, uh, concussion and something else. I think he has knee or something. But, but at the same time, he, he this isn't new to him either. I, no. I believe this is his third award as well. Yeah. So he, he knows what it takes to get there. But like you said, there wasn't much noise from them this year. Yeah. And then, of course, um, second baseman, the and the AL batting title winner, DJ LeMahieu. No shocker there. 
you know, you win the band title, I think you automatically get the silver slugger for your position. Yeah, exactly. Then shortstop, we have last year's silver. I mean, last year's uh, batting title winner, Tim Anderson. Which is weird because I think this is his first silver slugger. Which is how, I don't know how that happens because wow. yeah, I don't know. We have to double check that, but I'm I'm almost positive. Either way, Tim Anderson, man, yeah. he can. We all know he can hit. Yeah, this guy is a hitting machine. Very much so. I don't care where you put him. This dude is slugging. So <laughs> great for Larusa to have him on the squad because yeah. you know you're getting solid play oh, yeah, every single year. And then third baseman. Um, Jose, Jose Ramirez, Ramirez you yeah. know, MVP finalist this year, you know, you, you almost guarantee a spot. And then your outfielders, of course, you got Mr. MVP <laughs> almost every year, Mike Trout. Then you got the rookie, Oi Jimenez, not rookie, but second year. And then, um, where am I at? Uh, Blue Jays, uh, Teoscar Blue, Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mike Trout, eight times on the list. Uh, everybody else, Eloy and Teoscar is their first time up there. And then we have the designated hitter. Nelson Cruz. Oh, I didn't have that on my list. Nelson Cruz is his fourth time getting the award um, as a designated hitter. Um, and yes, I did just confirm uh, Tim Anderson. This is his first Silver Slug Award winner, which is weird because he has an AL batting champion yeah. last year. I don't know how that happened. Who got it last year? I don't know. We should find out. Yeah. We, <laughs> that's weird because why would who would got not get the batting title at shortstop? But I'm trying to think. Who had a great year last year at shortstop in the AL? AL. Don't tell me LeMahieu got it. No, LeMahieu was second base last year. Xander Bogarts, is he a shortstop? Yes, he is. What, Zan- Red Sox. Xander Bogarts won it last year. 117 RBIs. I don't know what else they say about it. Probably because Tim Anderson's an average guy, not a power hitter. Bogarts does hit a lot of home runs, so that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox got it last year. I think it was his third award. Um, and last season when he won it, he was batting an average of 309. Um, so probably not too far behind Tim then. Okay. Had 33 home runs and 117 yeah, RBS. So I knew it had to be the home runs. Crushing it, man. Um, okay. Well, that's cool. Let's All do, right. Let's so go the, through the NL Yeah, now. let's go through the NL. So the first one we got is a catcher. Guy I love. Travis Darno. You know, you just leave the Mets and become like, you know, he came a solid after, I think he ended up with Dodgers for a day, then he got traded to the Rays, and then he had a great year, end of the year at the Rays, and I think that's what Rays missed. This whole year, him finally signing that two-year contract with the Braves, and, man, he showed up this year for the Braves. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know if necessarily it was an issue with the Mets, but the time he was with us, we had an issue with all catchers because we, we were going – we were, like, cycling through, like, three of them at the time. Yeah. So, you know, good good for him, man. Yeah. Travis Darno is crushing it. Is his brother still playing? I don't think so. I think he finally retired or, okay. you know, kind of got faded out. All right, well, um, so, first base <laughs> – <laughs> you know, MVP no finalist, you know, no, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, man. Freddie Freeman got it. I think it's a second award, Silver Slugger. Freddie Freeman earned it. I think first base is always so hard for NL yeah. Silver Slugger. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing with the All-Star voting every year. Like, who's going to get the edge this year and who's going to be the reserve because there's so many of them. And the second baseman, we have Donovan uh, Salento for the, the Giants. Okay. Then you have Manny Machado. Yeah, Manny Machado. Base. What a comeback year. Do they have comeback player of the year awards? No, they don't. Oh. I think they do it during the week. I think it might be something they might do. Because well, like I have a couple different people who could be up there. Jose Abreu, Manny Machado. There's a, there's some there's some people. And then his teammate next to him, Tatis Jr., yes. shortstop from the Padres. And then outfield, you have Mookie Betts, Acuna, and then Soto. Great outfielders. I couldn't. I couldn't put it better myself. Because yeah, after, because the, there's probably so many they could have put on this list. And I'm assuming since you didn't have the last one, they actually have a designated. Yeah, hitter. I didn't have DH on my neither my list. They have a DH award winner for the Silver Slugger in the NL, and it's Marcel Azuna. And that's yeah. Uh, his, doesn't surprise his me. His second award. It doesn't surprise me how great a year he was. <laughs> uh, well, this is crazy because. He won the award this year, but if they don't go back to it, he could be the only time there's an NLDH. It'd be a trivia question. Well, at least for one year. Right. Because that most likely the next collective bargaining agreement, it will be put into it, I think. But Well, we'll see. They might as well do it. I, they should. Yeah, there's nothing going to be stopping them. Like That's just something that made baseball so much more fun this year to watch. I thought so. It, it, yeah, the strategy was different because you're not like, you. okay, who's going to this bunt because he can't hit. And I wonder why they're so against it because they're like, oh, well, we're not going to do that next year. I'm, I'm just. I think it's they got to negotiate. And, you yeah. know, and with this long winter we might have because of contracts, the player union might not be I guess, negotiating fairly with the owners this year. I think if they try to get the universal DH. Well, what I'm getting at is this should 
this change would be beneficial to the players because it gives guys more options to have jobs. Yes. Because pitchers don't need to hit. They need to pitch. They need to focus on that. If you get another guy who has a whole spot be dedicated to his craft, that can open up doors for more opportunities for more guys. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say I hope they get the deal done, you know, with winter meetings being virtual this year. I think with the next couple weeks after Thanksgiving. But it's going to be interesting to watch. So next we get to talk about is the Baseball Writers, Writers Awards. And, you know, award each night between Monday and Thursday. when We had the finalists we talked about last week. So we'll get right into it with the Rookie of the Year and your AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, man. Uh, the AL Rookie of the Year winner this year was Seattle's Kyle Lewis. Um, he had 31st place votes, got a, hun- a total of 150 points. Um, the center fiddle, red, he led the rookie MLB rookies in run scored at 37, walks at 34, and total bases at 90. Um, his times on base were 88, and his on-base percentage at 364. Also tied for first in home runs with 11, according to Seattle Times. So all those stats, it's pretty hard not to not to win it. Yeah, I think Luis um, Roberts, his last like couple weeks kind of separated him and Kyle Lewis. So yeah. I think that's why Kyle Lewis got the 30-place votes. That's who I picked. I yeah. was very comfortable with that, and I was perfectly fine with Luis getting second. It doesn't mean, you know, Luis is not going to be, you know, it's just one reward. It's, right. it's unfortunate not like, it's, it's that not he like doesn't he, get it. Exactly. He still had a great season. Yeah. Not much more you can ask for. Um, it's just that Kyle Lewis... Yeah, just a little bit better. And then who knows if we had a full season, what would happen? Exactly. But with that little bit of work we got, Kyle Lewis got it, and I think he deserved it. Yeah, man. All right. So the next one, the NL Rookie of the Year, is the only one I got wrong this <laughs> this whole season, and kind of shocked me that they went with this guy because you know I was you know suspect what the writers would have voted, but you got to give it to him. The Brewers reliever Devin Williams, you know, twenty six year old, the first reliever to win the rookie. Um, year uh in either league since uh craig kimball back in 2011 he's the first non-closer to win it since the reds scott williamson back in all the way in 1999 you know became the first pitcher without a start or a save to be named rookie wow. of the year. wow yeah and, man you know he struck out a record 53 percent of his 100 batters that he faced you know that 0.33 era because that one run he gave up the whole <laughs> time but the thing i was you know 22 appearances out of 60 games, I thought they were going to give the edge to one of the full-time players, yep. which they end up tying, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so it was 74 points. But, you know, Devin Williams, he got 14 first place, 6 second, 7 third, got 95 points. Alec Bowman got 9 first, 8 second, 5 thirds. And then Jake got 6 first, 12 second, thir- th- uh, 8 third place votes. Yeah, like you said, everybody did pretty well. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy that they went with the reliever, man. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of hard to argue with a point three three oh, ERA, yeah. man. You just like this year, and especially as much as the pitchers were injured, that was definitely needed. Yeah, and I think the thing was that literally the baseball writers had to get a sheet of paper and just look at stats yeah. because they didn't. Right. Most of these guys didn't watch all these games, so these people play like they would if you had to travel to their stadium to watch them play, or they travel to your stadium. And I think that's what the difficult about all these awards. Yeah. You got to think about it. But, right. you know, I'm perfectly fine with Williams winning it. I'm I'm happy for him. But, like, when you have a great year like that, it's like, why not? Exactly. I just hope he can repeat next season. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on to the manager of the year. Uh, let's start with the AL manager of the year. Kevin Cash of the Rays. Um, what else has to be said? 22 <laughs> of the 30 first place votes went to the Cash as the, you know, he's been a finalist the last two years. Um, didn't get it, but then this year when you have the best record in the AL, the fact that you beat the Yankees, what you did in your own division mm-hmm. with that staff where, you know, since 2010, you know, that injured list at one point included 10 members of his opening day pitching lineup between bullpen and starters were on the injured, you know, but the Rays finished with a 3.5 ERA, the third lowest in MLB, Getting all the way to the World Series, of course, this has been before the playoffs. They voted, but still, like, yeah, you know. And then, of course, Terry Francona was the one who announced it. He's, I'm so proud of him. He made such an impact in a short amount of time. I'm happy for him, happy for the Rays, and thrilled for his family. So, kind of saw this coming. When you have the best record, and especially you know, when no one thought you, you thought you'd be a playoff team, but no, everyone thought the Yankees were going to beat you up. And yep. 
You beat them up. Yeah, man. The Rays look great this year. Um, there's nothing nothing I'd take away from that. Uh, he definitely earned it, for oh, yeah. sure. All right. Well, then let's uh, move on to the National League Manager of the Year. Uh, so for National League, we got Don Mattingly of the Marlins. And why not? The Marlins, we counted them out preseason. We didn't think they had anything well, to show. Yeah, because when you lose 105 <laughs> games the, pre- year, the year previous. It's hard to with assume. With a messed up offseason that we had. like. Yep. Okay, this guy's not doing nothing. And then you start the season off on under first, COVID, and first you, weekend you take two out of three in Philly, then you get shut down for two weeks, <laughs> right? Almost. And we didn't think it was going to help, but obviously they did something right. I think what was it like? <laughs> somewhere like forty something players they had them up and down because of the COVID. Right. So, and, so if you can manage forty something players with COVID and still make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, you you pr- you pretty much deserve it. Um, he got twenty of the thirty first place votes. Um, and what's crazy about this stat is not only did he win ma- uh, manager of the year, he was also an MVP in nineteen eighty five. Yes, that's He's crazy. Only the fifth, I think, was it the fifth person to be an MVP in the manager of the year? Yeah, man. So when I looked at the votes, I'm like, okay, he got twenty eight either first or second place votes. Okay, okay, you're missing two. You know who the who the two people were who didn't vote for him? Uh, who? Washington Nationals writers, <laughs> of course, didn't vote for him whatsoever. I'm like, how? Like, how do, how do you ignore your own? Yeah, like this is your specialty, your division. Yeah, how do you how do you not give him? You know what? I'm not even surprised because <laughs> as much as you know, we were Mets fans, and I hate listening to the Nationals announcers. I can't stand those guys. They are so I don't even know how to what to say about them. So I can just imagine the writers are the same kind of guys, man. Because yeah, because I looked at the, weird. You know, the voting breakdown. I'm like, because I always had to see who voted what. I'm like, wait, it's only 28. I'm like, who didn't vote for him? And I went all the way down the list because they tell you on on their Twitter or their website. Jeez. And I clicked on. I was like, are you kidding me? Nationals writers, you're two oh, writers. Did they say neither. who they voted for? Yeah, it did. I can't remember who it was. I'm like, you gotta be joking me, right? I'm like, of course y'all did. I'm like, don't put it past y'all. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, but that's fine. Yeah, I'm super happy for him. We, we both had him because it was like, why not? This guy did so much yeah, work. Yeah, he this crushed season. it, man. So I'm happy for him. You know, especially you know, from the Dodgers. He, I think he won when he was with the Dodgers when he was their manager. So now with um, so he's doing good. And like we said, with the new GM, I think they're gonna rate the ship. I think Jeter believes in him. So well, especially after losing 105, 105 games. Yes. I can't imagine watching even I can't imagine <laughs> fans even wanting to watch the team when they get that close. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, uh football season's on now or something. I just like that's tough. Yeah. And and to come back from that, great job. Yeah. Well, next we're gonna talk about the Cy Young Award. We're gonna start with the AL, which is a dumb, no yeah, surprise. This, this is locked up. I mean, me and Alan pretty much knew the, the way Everyone it should knew. have gone. Um, but obviously, if, unless you're under a rock, Shane Bieber is your AL Cy Young Award winner this Anonymous year. Unanimous Cy Young winner, which should be when you win the Triple yeah. Crown, who's not going to f- vote you first place? Let's exactly. be real. I mean, he crushed it this year, man. I don't even know where to start. Like, he, he not only is he only 25, yeah. he had 41.1% strikeout rate, which is the highest ever by a qualified starting pitcher. I know it's a short season, but you can't take away what he did. He had a 1.6 ERA, lowest qualified AL starter since the MLB started this in 1969. Yeah, and then his opponent's average at 167 is average tied for Pedro Martinez back in 2000, you know. Right. Pedro was Pedro then those years. Right, and and, and his competition this year was Kenta Maeda and Hyunjin Ryu. But you know what? (laughs) It, yeah, like I said, that's great. Yeah, which was surprising when those two were finalists. I'm like, okay, then for the other, I think fourth was Garrett Cole, and then fifth was Dallas Keiko, which I thought would probably be the top three because he had a nice low ERA. But, right. But, but Shane Bieber absolutely yeah. mold everybody yeah. this whole season. Until he, he was got to the playoffs. Well, yes, when he got to the playoffs, they were they ate him God. up. I'm still shocked. Yes, <laughs> but I can't take away what he did during the regular season. No. He's a big factor. Yeah, you know, I think what was it? Uh, MVP of the All Star Game last year in his hometown. Like, it's was his third year. I think. Remember, I think if if I remember correctly, of him being the major. So you got a long ways to go with this guy. Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be one of the, the best. He's gonna be the next 
Clayton Kershaw or he's going to be the next, I don't know, man, you name it. He's going to be that guy. Yeah, we'll see what Cleveland does with them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They might be absolutely. going to rebuild mode. He might be the guy they try to rebuild around or they might trade him to get more assets to build. We'll have to wait and see with the Indians. You know what? It'll bite him in the butt if they trade away Shane Bieber just because this guy's something special. Yeah. It's like Max Scherzer. Do you want to trade away him? I don't think so. Do we want to trade away DeGrom? Probably not. Do you want to trade away Bieber? No. And then but, we have the NL Cy Young. Award. Oh, yeah. This one was a little tough for us. This one came down to what I think was going to be the votes. It depends, mm-hmm. But like we said, when you're the writers, you didn't get to watch these guys, it came down to what's on paper. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are out there like, well, you know, you uh, Darvis and um, Trevor Bauer's opponents were weaker than DeGrom's. And like, but when you just look at the stats, they're going to go by that. And that's why Trevor Bauer was your NL Cy Young winner. You know, after receiving 27 of the first place votes, you know, you can add that to his resume now. And he's going to be the first ever Cy Young winner to be a free agent after his Cy Young year. Yeah, man. I'm I'm happy for him because he did his thing. He brought the swagger. He he backed it up. He and backed I, it up, and man. And the biggest thing was September. Yeah. When his team needed him the most, he showed up right. in and this, September. So, yeah, it, at the time, uh, there was like two, maybe three starts left of the season for each of these guys. Uh, and we kind of were thinking it was DeGrom or Darvish um, at the time. And then and then Bauer, he kept trucking. Yeah, because um, Darvish had such a huge lead in the ERA, but then he got lit up. Exactly. And then and the so same, DeGrom. same thing happened like, with DeGrom. Okay, now it's a three-headed race. DeGrom got hurt, or, or he, he got taken the out from... The two-inning start right, in Philly, he, which was... I think hurt his Cy Young chances. And then his last start, I think he came out and just got beat up again as yeah. well. So if he would have been, you know, dominant like he's used to, there would have been different stories. This race would have been very close. Um, it would came down to who voted for what. But then. I'm happy Darvish got some votes. I'm happy he, he had second. a great year. Um, Degrom can't take them all, even though we we would love him to. But Bauer absolutely earned it. He was super consistent. He did his thing. I have nothing but great things about this guy. No, you know, you know, each like you know. DeGrom had the strikeouts over Bauer, but Bauer was consistent all year, and it just adds to the resume. Like, look, right. I'm Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Who you, now pay me. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's nothing surprising, but I'm happy for him. And now to think about it, like, especially looking at these two Cy Young winners, Indians had both these players. Yes, they still have one of them, and they decided to trade Bauer last year. But, man, like, especially when you had also had – um. Corey Kluber, that rotation now. You think about the 2016 World Series. It's like, yeah, and that's without Beaver. Yeah, man. It's it's tough. It's tough when you and look back at And then they trade Mike Clevenger this year now. It's like, what are they doing? I think there's like there's there's other uh, – what am I trying to say? There's other um, teams in the past that had like these dominant pitchers on them, but they didn't do anything when they were together. It's just weird. Yeah, like they have a 16 – World Series, and you know Bauer was a younger guy then. Beaver wasn't there yet, but now that you think about the next years and look at these guys, like especially if they all become, you know, solidified guys elsewhere, and it's like, it's like what you think about it when we talk about last year with the Detroit Tigers, Verlander, yeah. Scherzer, like all of them who like four of the five That's pitchers exactly right were in the World Series last year for separate teams. It's like it's unfortunate. Mm. Could Indians be that kind of team? Especially if they do do something with Beaver in a couple of years, I hope they don't. I hope yeah. they don't bite in the butt. Yeah, maybe somebody. Yeah, they need so to let's look go to the last award. All right, MVP. MVP. We're gonna start with American League. All Alan, right. who's our American League MVP this year? Well, you know, there could, there's a lot of choices you can choose from, but this year was something different, man. No. Uh, this guy who earned this one, he he came out of nowhere. He's like, look, this is who I am. I'm here to stay. Jose Abreu of the White Sox. Yeah, you know, making helping the White Sox get to the first postseason appearance since winning the World Series over 12 <laughs> yeah, years ago. Exactly. You know, his seventh season began with the signing of his three-year extension, $50 million to remain in Chicago. But, man, he led AL in RBIs for second straight season. He was second in MLB with 19 home runs, fourth with a batting average, you know, top five in AL home runs, RBIs, batting average, hits, slugging percentage, extra base, total bases, and OPS. What more do you ask for MVP award winner? Exactly. Um, and, you know, it did help that the rest of his team was show, was was playing really well. Um, but at the same time, this guy was a big key reason to the White Sox' success this year. So, yeah, nothing to take away but great stuff. Dude did his thing. Yep. So he got his Rookie of the Year award in his trivia case. Now he's going to have his MVP. 
Yeah. Now he just needs that World Series trophy, I guess, to complete, he, he compete. He is it. making his case. He got a silver slugger again this year. I, th- I don't know if he has a Gold Glove winner, but he's one of those guys people sleep on, man, for yeah. some reason. Like at least every year, uh, he's a great guy. I was like, uh, yeah. It took a while for him to re-sign with the White Sox. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, but, but that's what I'm saying. You're sleeping on. He has the Rookie of the Year. He's crushing it. He only signed a three-year, fifty million dollar deal to stay there. Steal. That's what I'm saying. And now he's the MVP. And he was so emotional when his name got called. It took him a good like what. Two minutes to, to put his head back up and start talking again. Look, guys, if you're not a Jose Abreu fan yet, you better get on the train because this dude is something special, and I hate to see him not get his due. Yeah, and then the NL MVP, it, you know, everyone's like, you know, Mookie Betts, you know, you had Freddie Freeman, and then who was the other one? Um, who was the other finalist? I'm trying to think. I can't remember now, but. Wow, why am I freaking? But Freddie Freeman won the award. It's a solid, you know. What can you say? This guy's always been up there, all stars, you know, silver sluggers and stuff. It's just like the consistent guy. The Braves finally had his breakout year, especially when starting the year where him describing how his COVID diagnosis was and where it had 103 <laughs> degrees. Like, don't felt, take me yet. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to die and stuff. And, yeah, you know, it's like, wow, you went from that to winning the MVP. Maybe that helped. Maybe that's like, look, I don't take nothing for granted. And he went there every day. Yeah, because remember like, the opening day against DeGrom, we figured he wasn't going to play because he has the practice at all and he was yeah. in the lineup. Like, okay. Yeah. And look at him now, the MVP of the, the National League. Yeah, man. Dude hit 390, man. What what? Yeah. What do you do? Like, how do you stop that? Yeah, you know his OPS is only second to just um, Juan Soto, but who had sixty six uh, fewer play appearances. But Braves first baseman led fifty one runs scored, second in batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage. You know, Braves to the third consecutive uh, division title. So you know, like you said, with the COVID. You know, he was hitting you know one ninety. I think. About a week and a half in, and then just I'll hit that light yeah. switch hit, and man, and then did benefit, you know, of course, with Acuna, Azuna, MVP candidates itself, having that people in the lineup helps too. Right. And a team like that should be pretty solid for the next couple of years, um, which is going to be hard to beat. But let's move on to the next topic on how we can beat the Braves, the <laughs> Mets. The Mets finally completed the sell to Steve Cohen. Yeah. Friday. You know, he got approved, I think, the week before, but it had to be completed. The, you know, the final details worked out, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But hedge fund manager Steve Cohen has completed the $2.4 billion deal, of course, the most expensive sports deal, to now have 95% ownership of the New York Mets. You know, after, you know, 34 mostly frustrating years under the Wilpons. Look, man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to let you all know right now, Mets fans all around are stoked. Yes. About this, um, I mean Cohen. This after he purchased his team, I think it makes him like the second wealthiest sports owner in any any team. Not, like not just baseball, just all around. Yeah, he's he's somebody. The, somebody. He's the most, you know, in baseball. Period. Yeah, in baseball, he's got it. Um, and this is super exciting because not only did he hype everybody up when he was during his presser. Yes, um, we'll discuss. It's just it's just the the energy right now is just really good for Mets fans. Yeah, you know, Cohen being a long you know Long Island native. You know, his father-in-law has been season tickets for 20-plus years. So his father-in-law is probably stoked when he became a minority order a couple years ago when, you know, he bought, the, I think, 8% into the team. I would. Like, okay, cool. My son-in-law is a part owner of the Mets. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, right when Cohen, you know, the deal got done, which we all kind of heard, Chief, um, he hired former Mets general manager Sandy Alderson to be the team president in his first move, you know, the sale ended with Wilpon's tenure as chief operating officer. It's a milestone in the history. Cohen said a statement that 2021 is right on the corner and we have a lot to work to do. Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, things are starting to move pretty quickly. And now that Alderson is the team president, what's been happening? So first, first thing he did was clear the front office. Cleared he, it. Like cleared it. You know, Steve Cohen closed the deal on Friday. Shortly after it, everyone got announced that the Front office was pretty much cleared. Um, Brody Van Wilder, several other his executives, Omar, Maeda, Alan Brand, Adam uh, Gutridge, Jared Banner are just all gone. And um, Sandy Armisen kind of said in his part of the press conference was, 
when he hires a baseball operator, president of baseball operations, he didn't want his first thing for that guy or person to have to fire everyone. Right. He already wanted a clean slate for him to come in so he can bring his guys in so they can start building. Um, so we kind of thought this was going to happen. You know, there's nothing against Brody. You know, Sandy said, you know, we, we've kind of, we talked and stuff. But we knew that if they wanted their own people, which the majority of the time when new owners come in, it's new GM, new yeah, president, absolutely. new coach, it's cleared house. Well, I think luckily for us, though, um, they did decide to keep the coach. For now. For now. Exactly. Um, they, ha- they had talks with each other, and uh, for now they're, they're on good terms, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, the press conference on Tuesday. Yeah. What did like, they say? This, you know, we were like, okay, we finally hear Steve. Besides, you know, over the weekend when the sale got done after, you know, the front office got cleared out, Steve went on Twitter, started talking to Mets fans. Yeah. What do you want to see to do? One person, like, want a loyalty program with season tickets. Okay, done. Uh, the big one, which he saw about in the press conference, that one person suggested is bringing back the old-timers day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one person said, oh, can I come back to the field? Because I got, I've been banned. <laughs> I got banned from talking shit about the Wilpons. He's like, oh, if this is true, what the fix is? He's like, here's my letter I got from him. Like, okay, we'll fix this immediately. Like, it's stuff like that. It's like, this is why Wilpons were not liked. Look, man, this this is going to go down in history as one of the highlights of Mets baseball fans and, and general baseball. It's it's great, man. And like you said, he was so hyped. Yeah. And you know, like it's it's one thing when you become an owner of a baseball team, you become a fan of that team. Yeah. When you grew up a fan of the Mets, and you know the special. struggles, you know the struggles. Like man. he said, he his first memory is going to the Polo Grounds with his dad to watch the Mets before they built Shea Stadium when they first became a team. That's how loyal, you know, Steve Cohen has been a Mets fan. Like, and well, they, it's just insane. Well, you know? and like you said, what, what you're saying on this to build on it, he uh, he was quoted saying, "I'm going to be an owner that builds a team that has continued success," and he was emphasizing that you build, not buy championships. We want to win now, but are also building for the long term. Great, yeah, because he pretty much he hinted that you know they want to be like Dodgers, where every year they you know they're going to be in it. You know, he was runner up to buy the Dodgers years mm-hmm. ago. Um, so, but I think this is just a little more sweeter because he was and has been a Mets fan. Exactly, it's a little bit sweeter when it's a team you really like. So, you know, he first started thanking the Wilpons, you know, Manfred, the fellow owners. You know, the, you call on the owner of the team, a Civic Trust. He announced that his wife will be the Mets Foundation running that department. Which point out, she currently runs his Point Seventy Two Foundation, you know, trail ring with his hedge fund. Um, when asked, Cohen felt like Anderson was the right person for the job. He said, "Sandy knows Mets organization." He's a total professional and has a lot of experience in baseball, and I've got a lot to learn. Right. And another thing I like about what he's doing is everything he says is just like, I'm agreeing with it. Yeah. It's just weird because I'm like, well, he, he everything he's saying he just sounds great. Like when they're talking about you know, how, how he was raised, he's like, I played Little League once. That's about it. He's, yeah, because yeah, he asked, like, well, how much baseball decisions are you going to make? He's like, yeah, I played Little League. That's it. I'm a li- the professionals, exactly. Sandy, and the people he brings in to run the baseball and team. And I love that. I love that answer because he's like, look, yes, I own the team, but I'm smart enough man to know that this isn't my wheelhouse, and I'm going to let the professionals run it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Sandy and whoever's the baseball operation going to be like, look, we can sign this player for this amount of money. Of course, you know, Cohen's going to be like, yes. No, like that. Like, if you think this is going to help us, okay. But not he's not going to call down like, yo, we need to do this trade. Like, get rid of this guy or let's sign this guy. Right. Like, He's going to leave it to the pros. Yeah. Let them do their job. I love it. And then the next thing he said when he's talking about the budget, there's another answer I like. He's like, hey, this is a major market team, and it should have a budget to commensurate with that. He's like, yeah, we're going to play like a major market team should. We're, gonna, we're not going to be like the A's or something, you know, like the Rockies. We're not going to get one guy and then just be like, okay, that's it. Do your thing. Yeah. You know, like when I think they, they kind of asked um, – um, Cindy Anderson a little bit about that and stuff, but you know, but the, the big thing which <laughs> um, Anderson was like, we that's a little distraught. But when Cohen says timeline for his vision, he was kind of you know around the book. But if if I don't win a World Series in the next three to five years, I like to make it sooner. But that'd be a slightly disappointing, and that is exciting to hear because yes. We sh- I mean, we should have already had one of these, uh, yeah. 2015 for sure. But what I'm saying is 
he's not saying, oh, you know, we might win a World Series eventually because, you know, that's what good teams will do. He's saying, look, guys, I'm trying to win now. And if we don't win in the next three to five years, it'll be slightly disappointing because I'm expecting to put together a team that will compete, which tells me that the Mets should be in the playoffs the next couple of years easily. Yeah, I think it was not shooting for the playoffs no more. It's like being, okay, I want to be in the – um, championship series right. every year, and that's great. Which Dodgers pretty much have been the last what five six years. So and that's, that's why, and that's be. why I thought they had a great chance of winning because they've been there. They know what they need to do to get to the next step. Um, and if the Mets could consistently make it to October, man, oh man, how sweet would that be? Yeah, it'd be very different for us Mets fans, and it'd be very. Just, just remember the hype in 2015 when the Mets weren't supposed to be there. And they were there. We know avid collectors that were selling off their Mets collection. They were like collecting like the 2013 All Star yeah, autograph just to get to the World just to Series. get to the World Series to see the Mets, see a glimpse. And I remember <laughs> I had opportunity to buy World Series tickets, but I had a vacation plan to go to Florida, and I'm like going the wrong way. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, if I didn't pay all this money right now, I'd be going to New York. And I remember one of my um, servers at the time, he was like, I bet you didn't think your uh, team would be in the World Series when you go on vacation. I said, no. I didn't. <laughs> I thought World uh, Wild Card at best. <laughs> yeah, at <laughs> like, best. Like, uh, I did not think we we're going to do this run this year. But, you know, it's interesting. And then so, so then, you know, Sandy Anderson, you know, everyone kind of knows this guy. So the press conference, you know, being virtual and stuff, you know, they started asking some questions. And, of course, we already said, like, what he said, he needed to clear the house for the next guy. But um, he mentioned the interview process, the potential uh, president. Two things happens on Saturday. He became the president, and then he had an interview, which rumor was it was Miami's old baseball operations that they just let go that was interviewed. Okay. Which I'm like, okay, that makes a little sense because he did bring that team back, and it's kind of interesting. So, But no other names. We, of course, um, Sandy's right-hand man. With the heels with the Mets, there's rumored that he's probably going to be interviewed for the same position to be that guy. But, you know, but encoding like a Scott Boris language, Anderson was asked what aisle of the Mets would be shopping this offseason. <laughs> we're going to make where we have enough meat and potatoes, but we're going to shop in the gourmet section as well. Let's go. He joked around and needed direction to find the gourmet aisle. <laughs> yeah. So it's clearly said that, you know, probably this year, probably with the Wilpons, we have a small budget to spend. You can get one guy. I think Steve's like, look, go make our team good that can help us short term and long term. So, so what you're saying is, previously we're shopping at Food Lion, but now we're trying to go find our stuff at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much like what Sandy said, like you know, you don't want to like load all these contracts that's going to hurt your team in five six years. I agree. They're going to be smart about it, and and if anyone's going to be smart about baseball, it's Sandy. You know what he did with the 2015 team. You know, made the trades for Cespedes at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, some of the happiest has been was, you know, when they beat the Cubs to go to the World Series, him just taking it all in. And, of course, the downward spile, like, two years after that with the cancer and then stepping away and how they kind of pushed him out the door. It's, But, you know, he said that this kind of started a progress when, I guess, they started to hear rumblings of Steve buying the team. Because, you know, yeah. uh, Steve's right-hand man was the one who stepped was in on the chair meetings, of course, what Sandy had to go to. So they had a relationship. Well, I guess Steve told him that he might be buying the team, and so you know Anderson gave sent a memo to him what kind of things to do, and that's how they kind of connected. And I think that's how they filled up position that they'd be a good fit for each other. And, you know, someone brought up you know Anderson's age because <laughs> he you know he is I think was a seventy two. So like this is not a long term thing, but I think this is he's going to want to start the ship in the right direction. Hopefully, win a World Series or two, and then he can pass the torch to the next and then, person. And we can build on it. Um, what about the Cohen's remarks towards Met fans? Man, the, perhaps the quote that sums up the day that closed the opening remarks addressing Met fans I know you will judge me every day. I'm all in. Let's go, Mets. Love it. Love it. Look, man, this is getting me all excited right now. And then when you hear rumblings <laughs> of like after this you know, press conference, you know, Mets fans were excited that there's been players calling their agents to tell them, go talk to the Mets. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who they are. Yeah, but, oh, but like, was that like but, people we had that already? And what's crazy, yeah, man, like you said, after Cohen, you know, made his remarks, players were calling to, you know, see if they're signing, and then other players were even on Twitter, like Bauer and them were, were, were talking about what he said. Yeah, because um, after the press conference, I think um, Anderson went on the radio show in New York, and they said something about Bauer is a... Um, 
guy that you'd want in a big market. I think he, you know, we're in the entertainment business, and exactly, he so, liked it. Yeah, he liked that. You know, that he's out there, and it's what we are. And and both, you know, Bauer being Bauer, and then his agent. Well, yeah, Bauer even said he he said it really touched home yeah. with him when he said they were in entertainment business because he completely agrees. Yeah, and and he loves the way he he thinks like that. Um, another person uh, who's already on the team, uh, DeGra- or Synagard. Syndergaard even changed his, his Twitter bio. His, exactly. Like, hi, hi Stove, Steve. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Noah. Uh, someone Some calls call me, me Thor. Thor. Yeah, exactly. I'm, re- I'm working out in Florida right now. And I'm hoping to, and I want to win for Mets fans just like you, basically. Yeah. I'm like, yes, this is great. This is going to bring this team together. Um, so let's move on. Uh, let's talk about other people in potentially signing with the Mets. So one person we said last week with um, when we guessed who's going to sign where, we believed this was going to happen, which it did. It partially could have been the press conference. It partially could have been his agent put some feelers out there. He wasn't going to probably get what he wanted in the market with COVID and stuff, but... Stroman takes the one-year qualifying offer. Which is crazy. Well, it's not crazy, but like you said, it could have had a lot of things to happen. But from what I understand, about a week ago, they were all pointing signs till he's not going to take it. He's like, he's most likely not going to sign this this offer. Um, but you know what? Like you said, with all the hype around Mets and Cohen taking over and everybody's loving this and maybe he doesn't have another option. I think it was where it's like, okay, look, we could get multi-years. Apparently, the rumor was he had a five-year deal rumbling out there. Mm-hmm. But it was probably for less money per year. So does he take the high number this year, prove himself, which means you're highly motivated, A, for because it's your contract year, B, what your new owner just said, being a Mets yeah. fan growing up yourself. Right, right, exactly. C, you know you have a solid team behind you, and if you can just get the pitching right, which is you included, and get healthy Syndergaard back into Grom's being dominant – the who knows, man. This could this could be absolutely could be a great one year deal for you yeah. to hype it up for next year. Yeah. Next contract. And then like everyone's saying about, you know, Trevor Bauer, you know, <laughs> someone posts a picture up there like no one wants to see this rotation. No. Nobody wants to. If you put the Grom as one, Bauer as two, Stroman as three, David Peterson at four, and then Noah comes back sometimes June, July to be your fifth rotation. Filthy. And then put Lugo back in the pen to be your setup guy. Which we need. Uh, we need Lugo. And then one thing Anderson said when his press conference said on was that Brad Hand, when he got waived because of the 10 million contract, if Ander- Anderson and them already had the deal closed and was in the position, Mets most likely would have claimed him mm. because that's, they need a you know, reliever guy. 10 million maybe is a little bit too much for him, yeah. but it means we guarantee him we're going to have him for one year for 10 million instead of trying to outbid teams. Exactly. Agreed. I, it's like, why couldn't. Cohen or someone tell the free, free agent, like the front office, like, go get this guy. Well, look, man, if Bauer somehow magically makes his way onto a Mets roster, then this would be the most amazing thing for him and DeGrom because they will both be fighting for the Cy Young. They're not going <laughs> to lie over for each other. It'll be a competition, oh, which, will, which will equate to which, great baseball. If you remember correctly, that's what happened in 15. All those young guys, DeGrom and them, were feeding off each other because how well they were doing. They were doing well. And if you have this competition of Bauer coming in and then Stroman trying to play for this contract year. Exactly. These guys, and then Noah's going to be coming out from injury, and, he's and then gonna you have Peterson, hungry. his first full season most likely come from a rookie year, which mm-hmm. is a limited season. Man, that starting rotation is going to be deadly if that ever would happen. You know what's crazy, man? I feel like every year we always get excited about our starting pitcher. I just want one year where they're healthy and they do the thing. Right. That's it. That's all I want. And I want the bullpen to show up yeah. I, for once. I know. Edward Diaz is finally, he did decent there. Majority of the year, but you know Lugo, we need him as a starter for some of the years. So I can't think of the last time the Mets bullpen showed up. Probably when we had Billy Wagner on the team. It's been a while. <laughs> so what people are hearing is everyone's like, you know, JT Realmuto. You know, that's the guy we need to sign. Well, yeah. of course, you know he's not quite firm on New York yet. But we're hearing Mets are prioritizing going after Springer and Bauer more, getting that true center fielder, yeah, and getting that starter pitcher. And then you hear Yadi Molina and the Mets <laughs> rumbling. I'm like, you better get him for cheap. I'm like, he's like a one, two year fill in. Maybe. maybe. I'm not super upset with our catching squad because I, I like our some of our guys, man. I I don't know. I do agree. We we do need to catch it. But if we can focus on Bauer and the center fielder more, more I would really like to have that happen and then first. This talk of Francisco Lindor going to the Mets because, you know, Indians would love the Mets to be involved. I'm like, if we get Lindor somehow, 
But my thing is, I don't want to give up too much for Lindor if we can't re-sign him. Like, we need to do, like, um, Mookie Betts. Yes, trade for him and then sign him for what he wants, which is some people are hearing is Lindor was liking what Steve Cohen is saying. Well, who's not? Who's not liking what he's saying? This is great for baseball, period. If you're a baseball player and you're a free agent, you probably want to go to the Mets right now. And especially since Mets are probably the only team that could probably pay compared to what other teams are not going to be willing to pay because of the pandemic. Besides the Dodgers, you think it's just Dodgers and Mets are probably going to spend somewhat unless you know someone's like, go look, we need to ace, go get Bauer, throw him whatever money he wants. But we don't know what Bauer's going to do. Bauer said, I'll take a one-year deal, two-year deal. I'll go go over to Japan. Well, like, look, and that's fine. And, I, and I'm not really thinking that this has to be the season. Just because Cohen's new manager, this does not have to be no. all eggs in one basket right now. No. I'm perfectly fine with building a team if I, I know it's in the right hands now. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, but like he said, he's trying to build a team for the next three to five years to be that team that's great. Yeah. And I'm with it. I'm on board. Yeah. Like you said, Dodgers have been great for six years now. They got one title. If, and I would be perfectly fine if we did a Dodgers kind of situation where we're in the or World like, Series or in the playoffs that deep every year and then we finally take then, one. For example, like um, I heard someone or I was watching something, you think of the Yankees. They're great almost every year. They got one title in the last 11 years. Rays have been good for years to come. They don't have a title yet. Right. World, right. World Series are hard to get. They but are. But do you want to be a winner every year to root for? Yes. Yes. Look, <laughs> Yankees fans have it so easy because you don't know what it's like to not to know your team. If they make it to the playoffs, it's, it's a miracle. Yeah. You're uh, like, well, we expect to be in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, what I was listening to was the guy was a Atlanta Braves fan. Okay. He said, I grew up in the 90s as a Braves fan. Well, we won, what was it, the 10, 13 well, consecutive divisions. When you have Tom Glavin and... But um, they only got one World Series title. Right. But he was interested because it was meaningful baseball. And you, every year, right. you're in it. And But yes, one ring, you take it. But when your baseball is so good where multiple years you're in it, you know you have I'd a rather shot. take that in yeah. one ring than one year be good than be terrible for years. I agree. All right, you you want your team to be competitive. Yes, they might not win the World Series every year, but that's okay because you knew they played their hardest and they made it to the show and they lost Game Seven yeah. by a run. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like, but but when you're like us and our team doesn't make it for decades, and then they, <laughs> they finally get there. Uh, you know, last time they were there, like what 2001 or something. 2000. 2000, and then they don't go back till years. 2015. And when they get there, they just don't show up. But you're so hyped that they made it there, and now you're like, well. Now what? Yeah, then it was like, okay. And then next year was like, okay, we have some injuries, but we're still in the wildcard game, which was a great game until Familia went in and gave it three on home run. And then after that was no playoffs, no playoffs, no playoffs. <laughs> Especially like, what was it? Um, 2006, game seven of the NLCS, you know, that heartbreak game. And then it's like, okay, we'll be back next year. No, we lose. The oh, fact. that's that's when the we Phillies lose. decided they're going to be the team. Well, that's when we started losing the last week or last day of the season two uh, years in a row. Yeah. God. So, like fans. I said, so like I said, if you can have a team to consistently make the playoffs to be competitive, that's great. Yeah. That's a great feeling. It is. It's great. It's it's it definitely it's, it makes must you be easy to be a, a Yankees and Dodgers fan. Well, it like, is. Well, you know what it is, and it, and absolutely because you have some Yankees fans who don't even watch the game. They just until, look the, and they're just like, look, I'm a Yankees fan. I know my team's going to be there. I don't care what you say. Yeah. Tell me when the first game of the playoffs because I don't care during the season. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have one of them. His name's Justin. <laughs> That's what I'm coming to mind. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be you know that bad, but I do want to watch my team be successful. Yeah, I want to watch it out. Watch, be happy. We won games. Mm-hmm. Okay, we lost two in a row. That's a that's a bad part of our season. Not no seven game stretch. Well, like, even if it is seven game stretch, it's just like at least you know that these guys are trying to win, and it's and it's like yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just different when you're when you're winning. They're having fun, you know, and we've seen, we've had nice bits and pieces of Mets throughout the years. They're like, yes, we're on a streak. And like, there's a game. I don't remember even what it was for, but we were coming back from a triple A AAA game, a ties game. We're oh, in the you're car. talking about last year. When listening, we came home. listening yeah. to it. And they the come back, man. And just like, we're not even watching the game. We're so hyped because of what's going on. If this is any other team, man, there might not have been that kind of hype. Yeah, because we listened to it when they tied it and then we ran into your house and to watch that. <laughs> and to watch it. it, exactly. Uh, anyways, but yeah, um, it's gonna be an interesting off season for Mets fans, for even baseball fans, because I feel like we're talking, but we're pretty much a week for almost a week away from Thanksgiving. Uh, winter meetings will come up, and then it's gonna be that snail place. That's why I don't think 
we're gonna have a lot of moves in December. I think yeah. maybe the big guys go first, and after that, it's gonna be like well, like you said, they got to re, re uh, they got to find out where they're at with all these losses. Yeah, every team, you know, if you think that they lost three billion dollars, you're talking hundred million dollars at least per team, if not more. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting all season. Yeah. So when that, um, we're probably not going to hear from you from us for a couple of weeks. Probably not for the rest of the year. I really think this off season's going to be real slow. So we're probably going to pick back up next year yeah. in January and see who went where and see if us Mets fans are excited. If you watch us on YouTube, there might be a video here and there. <laughs> if there's a big signing we want to talk about, but then we'll break down everything some part next year. So this has been a great season, interesting season. So this is us signing out. We'll see you all next year. Have a safe holidays and a happy new year. See you all next year. All right, everyone. Thank you for checking out this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Share it with your friends. Don't hog the goodness here from AA Sports with your friends. And if you want to take that step further, please click on that Patreon link that's in that YouTube you know, description down there. We do monthly giveaways, gifts from us if you do different tiers. And you will get mo- – likely everything we do here at Double Sports a day early if not more so please share that with your friends also we'll catch on next time peace for the record I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable That's right. for the record you ain't trying to grow any stuff for you That's right. for the record live on me going all the way, all the way. for the record ain't trying to link no time to wish Price for y'all, snake eyes on dice for y'all, shoulders on ice for y'all, A6 all the hands.